You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. 1 Kings 19. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me, if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than any of the ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But he was, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel forty days and forty nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. May God speak to us and help us to understand what we need to know from his word this morning. You guys can be seated this morning. The story about the prophet Elijah. It's a story about a guy who's burnt out. I was thinking of burnout, and I have my own burnout story of shared a piece here and there along the way in the time we've been awakened church um man it's 2004 i know that's like for me it was just like the other day 2004 i know for for some of y'all it's like man i was like eight <laughs> seven five i don't know so it's like it's 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 a, kind of a while back now i realize that but 2004 i went through this for real burnout i've been in what you call vocational ministry for, for about five years about five and a half years. I was serving as a youth pastor in a church, and um, I had been a minister for a long time. Ministry is meeting needs of people uh, with God, as with Jesus as a subject, following as God. That's ministry. But I began to make it, this is my vocation, my, my career in this. So, so it was this whole other thing. It's like, I'm going to be a minister, and I'm going to do this as my career. And I hit the ground running, and I was like, I'm, I, was on, I was excited. You know, I've got a job, and I'm doing something I love. I'm working with teenagers, and I get to, you know, get to, I get to connect with God and then connect with them and share with them stuff God showed me. And I just got to rolling and rolling and rolling. And about five years in, I just was about rolled out because <laughs> I was burned out. And I didn't know I was. I just know that I was working hard and things that used to make me happy didn't make me happy anymore. I didn't know it was burned out. I, didn't know. I, w- I actually went to counseling and the counselor helped me understand I'd burned out. But I actually, I was so burnt out, I kind of slipped into a, a season of depression. And I didn't know I was depressed either. I was just like, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm doing my best. I'm serving all these. I'm working all these hours. I'm working for the church. I'm, I'm like going to these kids' baseball games and, and, and contests. And, and I'm going to graduations. And, and I don't even take time for my own family. And I don't even take time to really spend the time I need to do it because I'm giving it all to them. And I'm not even spending the time I'm supposed to be in prayer. Well, there was the answer right there. My relationship with God was coming in way under. Like I was, first of all, I was a youth pastor 
then I was a husband and daddy, and then I was a man of God. Turns out you need to be the person of God first. You've got to be, put God first. You know, hashtag God first. That's what's got to be for real. And I didn't have that anymore. I had, that had switched. Ministry had become first. Church had become first. And being a youth pastor. And some days it just took everything I had just to show up. But I was going to show up. And I was going to show up. And I was going to do my best and do my job. And then I went to an event. It's called the International Youth Convention. It happens every, every couple of years. or every, I think it's every four years. And they moved to different cities. And this was in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was burnt out. And I took this youth group, and I was just, like, burning the candle at both ends, burning relationships, burning bridges. And I just got there, and I, was, and I didn't know I was burnt out, didn't know I was depressed. But in this moment, there was a specific preacher, preached a specific message in a specific moment, and I was healed. I mean, I, could, I can tell you the minute I was healed. And I was just like, wow. I still didn't know it was burnout and depression. I found that out through counseling afterwards. But I was healed in that moment. And everything was like everything was different. I mean, I was lighter. I was awake. And I was felt this passion renewed within me. And I slowly, but what happened was the damage relationally had been done. I mean, when you're going through burnout in a job or as a, even as a student, find a college, I've been talking to some, some folks, and college students go through this too. Uh, high school students even go through this. I mean, you get people that are playing sports, they're going through burnout because they just get going and on and on and on and get burnt out without the things we're going to talk about today to help us not get burnout, help to bring us out of burnout, even prevent burnout. But I didn't know any of this stuff then, and I just knew that I was healed. But the damage had been done to the relationships, and ended up, I was like, it, it was time for me to leave that position. I was no longer uh, the, on, on staff at that church. And I was like, finding, I've got to find my new normal. Because the, the, the key wasn't to get things back to normal. It was the understanding that I need to find a new normal. So what do you do when it just takes all of your energy just to show up? I mean, I don't know, has anybody ever like been there? It's like I just I've been in a place or a moment or just a season where I mean, it just took all my energy just just to show up. Maybe you haven't ever been there yet, um, but 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 the thing about this is we're in this series called "Didn't See It Coming," and we're kind of wrapping it up today. In the past few weeks, we've been looking at some of life's biggest challenges, things that that we didn't see coming, and it seems like these are things that everybody experiences at some point. Maybe you haven't experienced burnout yet. Um, but we're finding that more and more, so this, is not, so this is not a midlife crisis kind of deal. That's just a part of what burnout happens. We've been talking about cynicism and disconnection, pride and emptiness, all these different themes um, that we've actually took the themes and a little bit of the content we've been doing out of this book, Didn't See It Coming. I read this book a year ago by a pastor named Kerry Newhoff. And again, especially this one today, if any of this is like that we share some of the stuff that God shares with us and uh, helps us a little bit, I would encourage you, like, get this book because this has, like, helped me in my own journey um, to recognize some things that I need to be working on to stay out of things like cynicism and pride and, and burnout, definitely. So I'd encourage you guys to you know, pick that up when you get a chance and, and read that because it takes you a lot more into the content. We wanna, we're, like, getting the biblical side of things when we come together, but there's a lot of help in that uh, as well. So today we're on this thing called burnout, and at some point in life we're going to experience this, most likely. And the thing is, we didn't plan on it. We didn't want, like, I didn't want to be just burnt out and just, I don't want to do nothing anymore. But here we are. And we didn't see it coming. And the good news is, there is a way back from burnout. And the, the ways we can begin to live in such a way that we can see it coming and do something about it even before it gets here. 
And that's what we want to do. That's kind of the point of this, uh, doing this, this series together. And so that's where we're going to go in 1 Kings 19 again. And I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, um, we're, we're going to dig deeper into that passage I just read. So you might want to get your Bible out, maybe make some highlights and some notes as we go. But here's the big idea. With God, you can live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. Because that's God's plan, is for you to thrive tomorrow. Not just exist, not just to be alive, but to thrive. And with God's help, with, you, with God, you can live a way today so that you can thrive tomorrow. The first thing I want to kind of spend a few minutes just kind of setting up camp in and talking about uh, together is this idea about the rules. Because the rules of life, they say, like, the rules never apply to, to you until they do. <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's really, it's like, these all those rules about life, like, oh, don't do this, we'll be careful about that. Well, those rules don't apply, that's for somebody else. The rules don't apply to you until they do. Because one of the first things that they teach you when you, like you, when you realize church ministry is your vocation in life, like this is, this is my calling, but also it's going to be my career. There's a difference. Some people have a calling in ministry, but it's never their career. But you better not have a career in ministry if it's not your calling. But, but here's where it was for me. It was like the two became one. Like it's a calling, and this is going to be my career. And one of the first things that they really teach you and want you to understand is don't base your significance on numbers. Number of people, the amount of money. Don't base your significance of your ministry or your church or yourself on numbers. Be careful how you define success in this. But then, that isn't what's put into practice in most congregations and for most pastors what I'm finding is and this has been my own experience and most of the in the real world congregations it's you find yourself buying into this this really bad formula this really bad formula that goes if there's more people then you you invest more hours and more hours equals better ministry more equals better it's a lie by the way but that's the formula that's kind of out there oh they got more people pastors got to do more you got to have more people you have more staff you got to have more budget you got to have more of this because more equals better that's why we even look at churches like well that church over there they got they got 300 people 800 people they got a thousand people well that must be a better church than awaken because they got 15 but that's not the measuring stick but the problem is we keep defaulting back to that. And when you do that, it's like, well, the rule is don't do that. But then you do. The rules never apply to you until they do. Because the reason that's a rule is because it will burn you out. And I got to the point myself that five years into ministry, this has been a while back, y'all, but five years in, I had bought into it so much that I was working 60 to 80 hours a week, which is easy to do as a pastor as a, in, in church work. It's easy to work 60 hours a week. The thing is, I was working 60 hours a week and neglecting my family, neglecting my time, my personal relationship with God, and I was going to every event I could, everything I could, and it didn't equal better. More did not equal better. It equaled burnout. You go three or four weeks without an actual day off, you gotta take it, people would say, you know, well, the devil doesn't take a day off, you don't either. Like, well, Jesus did. He observed the Sabbath. <laughs> I, that's why I had to learn that. Jesus observed the Sabbath. He had to re- He took rest. He went away. He rested. I should, I should follow Jesus, not the culture. But we end up doing that. Why do we tend to default to more is better? Anybody have a thought on that? Why is that kind of like what we tend to default to in the church? More is better. Because 
okay? Because we have it, kind of the world teaches us, right? The more, more numbers means more success. We kind of look at that as like business account. The more finances you have in the bank, the more successful you are. So we kind of translate that to church. Good, yeah. Compassion issue, yeah. Oh, comparison, yeah, comparison, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we compare, definitely. That's, that's where we get in a lot of trouble. When you compare yourself, we're doing the church, but we can take that to like us as individuals and people too. And you compare yourself to somebody else, you either think, you get back to that pride issue. Last week was the, the kind of message about pride. Well, I'm, we're doing really good. Kind of stinks for them, we're doing good. Or the other way is like, man, why can't we be like them or that? Because there's a comparison, yeah. Kind of along with what he's saying, but proof, because it's proof of something that's seen. Okay. We want proof. We want results. Yeah. We want results. Results-driven results driven mentality. And it's like results are like and the reality of the kingdom of God. Results are disciples are being made and we're growing spiritually. And disciples are beginning to make other disciples. That's, that's, but that could be, I mean, that doesn't usually happen on a big scale. Usually, usually like big, big things happen in the church world because it's the next big thing. Sometimes, I mean, not all the time. Yeah, you want to say something? Well, I was going to say, it's like people look at things in one way when it's such a big scale. You can't say, like, this is good or bad when you're not looking at the full picture. Yeah, you got a very narrow view and you miss the full picture. So we can default to more is better because it's just we don't get the full picture of what, what better actually is, right? So the question is, for all of us in the context of this, is how are you doing? Not somebody else, but how are you doing with this? Because in the story we have here in 1 Kings 19, this prophet Elijah, he didn't have anybody in his life asking, hey, how are you really? How are you really? That's what we need to have. This, you know, this story is really an interesting story. The kind of the backstory of, of a, the story with Elijah um, and this king Ahab and the queen Jezebel was okay. The king Ahab, the king of Israel, and Elijah was the prophet. And there were some other prophets, but they were slowly like being killed off or dying or whatever. And they, Elijah was the the prophet. And he, the king married Jezebel, this queen who was not in the people for the people of Israel. She actually was a foreign guy called Baal, and she had all these prophets of Baal. So Baal worship began to be integrated into the land and among the people. And God wasn't happy with this. You remember, like the first commandment when He gave like the Ten Commandments: "You shall have no other gods. The, the, the Lord your God is one. You shall have no other gods before me or besides me." And that was like the first one. I mean, that's top. That's not. It's top ten. That's number one. No, no other gods. And here they are with Baal worship taking place. So Elijah says, "You know what? All these people are following Baal, and some are fo- trying to follow both. And nobody really seems to be following Yahweh, the one true God anymore. So we got to do something about this." So he called for. I call it the showdown. Like at the OK Corral, like those old westerns. It's like you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. No, 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 no. You see, I can see Elijah standing out here. I'm ready to draw. But he's got 450 prophets of Baal. That's, who's against, that's who he's against. He's not just like another, like, send me out a prophet. He's like, 400, all of them, 450 prophets of Baal. And they meet at this place, and all the people are gathered around. He's like, all right, guys, they're going to decide today because Yahweh, our God, isn't happy about this. We're either going to make a choice. We're going to, we're going to worship the one true God, Yahweh, or you guys are just going to follow Baal. You can't do both. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to have showdown. I'm going to build two, let's build two altars, two stone altars. And then we're going to sacrifice two bulls on these altars. We'll sacrifice one to Yahweh. We'll sacrifice one to Baal. And then instead of burning the sacrifice, we'll let the God who is the real God burn the sacrifice himself. So if Baal is God, you call out, worship Baal, and let Baal send down fire from heaven and burn the sacrifice. If that happens, we'll worship Baal. And then I will call down fire from heaven and from Yahweh, the one true God. And if Yahweh sends down fire from heaven, then we'll know Yahweh's the one true God. We'll worship Yahweh. And all the people are like, yeah, let's do this. The prophets of Baal, 451. Let's do it. Elijah says, you go first. Pick which altar you want. They got their altar picked. You pick which bull you want. They pick their bull. Sacrifice the bull on the altar. Now, call upon Baal. And they spent hours. It says they, they spent like the whole day calling out to Baal, crying out to Baal. And Elijah, gets, he, to me, Elijah's just like savage. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's taking a nap. He's like, maybe he's taking a nap. And they're over here. They're actually, part of their worship to Baal was to cut themselves. They were cutting themselves in worship to Baal, saying that if, if we bleed, it will invoke the power of Baal. That's what, that's why, that's, that's historically cutting. That's what it was. It's an act of, of, of uh, religion. And they were cutting themselves, calling on Baal all day. Elijah still is like, seriously says this, chapter 18 of 1 Kings. Maybe he's in the bathroom. He's relieving himself. Keep calling. Maybe he'll hear you. He's mocking these guys. I don't recommend that. You go mocking other, other people in their religion, but Elijah was all about it. <laughs> it didn't happen. He says, all right, all right, all right. Put my bull on the altar. Sacrifice the bull. He's got the, 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 the stone altar. He's got the wood for the fire. He's got the bull on there. He's like, that's not good enough. Dig a trench around it. Start pouring water on it. Bucket of water after bucket of water after bucket of water, drenching this sacrifice. So this, this trench around the altar is full of water. It's soaked. The wood is soaked. The bull is soaked. The stones are just, everything's wet. And he's like, God, show these people that there is a true God in Israel. And the legend says, the story says that the fire came down from heaven and consumed, not just caught it, not just, a, not, didn't just catch on fire, but burn it up. Like consumed it. The sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the water all completely consumed and left this, this nothing but ashes there. And the people were like, uh, yep, that's God. <laughs> we got a God in Israel. And Elijah said, then let's kill these guys. I don't recommend we do that either. But he said, let's kill. They, they, they killed the 450 prophets of Baal just to get that out of there. And this is where we picked up the story today. King Ahab comes back and he tells the queen, all your prophets of Baal, Elijah had them killed. She was not surprised at all. She was just mad. So he says, all their prophets have been killed. And Jezebel puts the hit out on Elijah. May the God strike me dead by this time tomorrow. If not, I've not killed you, Elijah, the same way you killed them. And then it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. This is where I see Elijah was spent. He was exhausted. He was been doing ministry. He had, seen, he had just seen how God shows up. He had just seen the power of God. God just showed up in a way it was a, a miraculous. And God, you know, Elijah saw it, but he was now so burnt out and so tired, so exhausted with the pace of life. He's like, you know what? I'm done. I got, I'm running. 
I won't run from my. He didn't run from 450 prophets. He didn't run from a showdown or a challenge, but he ran this time because he was burnt out. We need to ask ourselves honestly, look in the mirror, how are you? How are you? Some very specific areas of life. How are you doing spiritually? I would ask you this morning, ask yourself these questions today. How are you doing spiritually? Are you as close to God today as you were yesterday? Or are you as close to God today as you were last year? Because if you're not, you should at least be as close. If not, a baby step close. For me, it's like every day I want to be closer to God. And some days I feel like I'm just as close as yesterday, but maybe I didn't progress any. But a baby step is closer. The key is, man, I don't want to step backwards. I don't want to drift away, but it happens, right? So ask yourself, because God didn't move. God's not stepping away. He's right with you. Ask yourself, how are you doing spiritually? Ask yourself, how are you doing emotionally? How are you emotionally? Because we don't talk about emotions enough. We really don't. Because we really what we do is like, man, man, how are you doing? I'm fine. Right? How are you doing, bro? I'm good. It's all good. Is it all good? Really? I mean, really. Are you really okay? Because more and more I'm finding, people are coming to me and saying, you need to pr- please pray for me because I'm, I'm, going to, I'm seeing a, a, a counselor right now because... I got to the point of being suicidal. I had no idea. Every time I ask him, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I hear this over and over. I'm pretty good at faking it. People keep telling me that. I'm pretty good at faking it. But man, why do we have to fake it? How are you doing emotionally? How are you really? How are you doing relationally? Relationally. We talked a little bit a couple weeks ago about disconnection, the, dis- the disconnect that we feel. And we live in this culture where, man, we just feel we're so connected with, you know, like social media and everything, but we're feeling more and more alone in our culture. We feel isolated. Does anybody really know how you're doing? How are you doing? Because the heart of life is relational. How are you doing relationally? How are you doing physically? How are you doing physically? I'm not a doctor or a psychiatrist or anything, a psychologist, none of that stuff. But I do know that we're finding out more and more that there is a, uh, there's a connection between emotional and mental health and physical health. And I read this all the time. Like, there's this connection. Our physical health affects our emotional health and our mental health. How you eat and, the, and if you get some kind of exercise matters. That means you have to be, you know, Mr. Go to the gym every day. You can. But how you eat matters. And how much rest you get and how, how, you, how much activity you get matters. It impacts, it impacts how you feel and how you think. And then the last one is, how are you financially? And this is not how you do it, how much money you got, and is all your, all your bills covered and all that. This is, because often this is where you feel the most pressure financially. It's just the reality. It's the way, it, way we kind of design. It's like, the question is, do you have your finances or do your finances have you? That's the question. It's not a question of how much do you have, because I think we all need a little more. <laughs> I mean, I speak for all of us. We could use a little more. We got, it, we got another bill to, that's to pay or another one that's about to need, need paid, right? We all could use a little something. I'm not asking that. The question is, do you have your finances or do they have you? And God's given us some ways through his word, actually, to help us gauge that. So if you're not doing well in one or more of these areas, I'd encourage you to talk to someone and pay attention to the signs, because the signs... The signs show you where you're headed. The signs show you where you're headed. 
there's a couple of signs I found that kind of give us an idea of this. So there's a picture. So uh, just speed up a bit. You got this. And there's a big hole in the road, right? You've got just it's a speed trap. <laughs> just a, it's just a hole in the road. Don't just speed up. Let go to the next one. Up, up coming up next five kilometers. Invincible moose. I don't want. I don't know. This is a real road sign. I don't even know. It's in like Canada. I don't know if it's a joke or if it's just like there's an actual because you can't. I mean, a moose. Have you seen a moose? I mean, we know how big a cow is, right? And then we've seen bison, buffalo. Moose is way bigger than that, and they just stand in the road, and you just better not try to challenge them. Next one. Water on the road during rain. I just throw that one in there because it was like a duh, like sign. If it's raining, there's water on the road. Yeah. So pay attention to the signs. One more. This is a stop sign. <laughs> now, we could use that in some, some of the intersections around Natchitoches. Some, like there's a stop sign, and we need a sign that says not only the stop sign, but this is a stop sign. <laughs> like pay attention. Here's your sign to show you here's the sign, right? So what happens if you don't pay attention to the signs? And you got problems, right? You could have wreck. You could, you could, you could lose everything if you don't pay attention to the signs. I'm not just talking about the road signs now. I'm talking about these signs that God shows us about heading into burnout, and even in, you know, burnout can lead to depression. We got to pay attention to the signs. Verse four says Elijah went alone into the wilderness. I mean, he had a guy that traveled with him all the time, called him his servant. But he said, "His servant, stay here, stay back." And he went alone into the wilderness. Don't, you don't have to go alone into the wilderness. But we do sometimes. And we feel that way. We felt like we were alone in the wilderness. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree. I mean, the picture is just this picture of alone, just loneliness. He goes alone into this wilderness. The, this wilderness is desolate. The only thing there is this one broom tree. I mean, I'm trying to like picture this, like maybe you know the, the African savanna, and now you see a, one tree in the distance, and that's where the watering hole is, but there was no watering hole, it was just a tree. And that's where he finds himself. And he prayed that he might die. And I pray that you never find yourself in that same dark place. But if you do, remember that even the Bible has this story of a man of God who is at the point of ending it all. But God is always there ready to help. I mean, he was at that same point that seems like some of us get to. But God was right there ready to help. Burnout snuck up on Elijah, and burnout will sneak up on you too. Because sometimes it's like falling off a cliff. You didn't see it coming. It's like for real. It's like all of a sudden, what happened? I'm just a free fall in here in this burnout. Then all of a sudden, you are burnout. <laughs> You were fine, then you weren't. But a lot of times it's just a slow burn. Burnout's a slow burn. It's like the functions of life just continue, but the joy is gone. It's like the passion is gone. You just keep going through the motions. And people have this in life, and I've seen it in church. I've seen people with their, with their relationship with God, with, with church, just going through the motions. I've seen pastors just going through the motions. That's kind of where I was at my the last stage of burnout, five years in. I was just kind of going through the motions. I mean, ministry was happening. People were getting, people were receiving the word. But I was just going through the motions. People have been known to simply exist here for years and years, just day by day, day after day, going through the motions, week after week. So 
there's some signs, these signs that show us where we're headed. Let's look at some of these signs that, 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 that we're headed for burnout or maybe signs that we're already in burnout. For me, I, keep, I go back to these um, for, you know, regularly, just go, okay, Am I, am I approaching burnout? This is, these help me gauge that. And he's actually more on these kind of this book again. Didn't see it coming? There's more on this kind of stuff in there that's really helpful. So let's go through these. There's 10 of them. So let's go through them pretty quickly. One, number one is you no longer feel. One sign that you are approaching burnout or you are in burnout. You just don't feel. You don't feel the highs and the lows anymore. You're just kind of you're numb. You've heard somebody, I just feel numb. Maybe you've even felt that way. I just don't. Not really excited about anything, not really sad, I'm just kind of numb. There's that one. That's definitely a sign. Another sign is little things, it's kind of the opposite of that, little things make you disproportionately emotional. You literally cry over spilled milk, right? Or, or just little things, like send you into rage. Like just, doesn't, just something small happens. I mean, just the littlest. And that's where a lot of road rage happens. People are burn out. Number three, everybody drains you. Not just the draining people, because there are people who are draining people. You don't have to name any names, but everybody's got at least one in their life. Probably have at least one in your family. <laughs> You're a draining person. Not just them, but everybody drains you. Number four, you become very, very cynical. Very cynical. We talked about cynicism a few weeks ago and how, how cynicism can just get to you and just think like everybody's in it for their own, so I just might as well just be all about me. Cynicism can come and, and, and we didn't see it coming. Number five, nothing satisfies you. Like nothing. Nothing is good enough. Nothing makes you happy. Doesn't Whatever it is. You go to your favorite restaurant, get your favorite meal, and be like, oh, I don't really like this anymore. You can listen to your favorite artist. Eh. He ain't got it anymore. He's not doing nothing for me anymore. You can watch your, go, your favorite TV show. Man, I just don't do it for me. I mean, nothing satisfies you. Number six, you can't think straight. This is where we get into trouble. This is where affairs happen in marriages. Like, dude, dude's on burnout. He would never, like pastors, this happened to pastors. They're not, these aren't bad guys who just are sneak, sneaking in among the sheep, like wolves among the sheep. We kind of picture it that way. These are guys who love Jesus and get in ministry and get going, and they get burnt out. They don't have help. They don't go seek help. And what they do is they end up having an affair. They would never think, I'm going to have an affair today because they love their wife, but they're burnt out, and they're not thinking right. They don't think straight. This happens. It also people people quit their job. They get burnt out. And instead of saying, I need a break or I need a little time off, they're just like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. There may be times that happens, but a lot of times there's burnout involved in this. It's also that the midlife crisis thing comes in here. I've known guys that's like, man, don't buy me a red sports car. Why? <laughs> I need to do something. He's burnt out. He's burnt out. Nothing wrong with the red sports car. But I'm just saying, a lot of this is where that midlife crisis type stuff comes in. And then that's, we're finding more and more. This stuff happens not just at midlife. It happens in younger folks. It's happening in the elder generation as well. Number seven, your, product, your productivity drops. Your productivity drops. And not just the seasons we all have where some seasons we're more productive than others. We have certain, maybe you have a certain day of the week you're more productive than others. I have a couple of months in the year and we're fastly approaching those. When the daylight hours are very short, I just am less productive through the winter. The, from when, the, when the time changes and it's like, it's dark when I leave the house to take the kids to school and it's dark by five o'clock. 
when I it's like I got just a few hours of daylight, my product for some reason just wired that way. My productivity drops during that season. That's a normal ebb and ebb and flow of productivity. But when we approach burnout, it's like every day. What used to take like an hour to do takes all day. Maybe it's a project or, or, or you know something you got to do for school. Maybe it's part of your job. And this you know it used to take me an hour. I get through all the emails. And burnout, it's like, man, I've spent my whole day sitting here looking at emails, trying to figure out what I want to say in reply. Burnout. Number eight, you're self-medicating. Immediately, my, your mind, I go to like alcohol and drugs, like abusing alcohol, taking drugs, that's self-medicating, because the word medicating is in there, right? But there's a lot of other ways we self-medicate. When we're in burnout, we can self-medicate by overeating, overworking, that was my big one, I was overworking like crazy when I was in burnout, cutting. A lot of things that are, that are out here in our culture today are there of ways of dealing with burnout, self-medicating. Number nine, you don't laugh anymore. Nothing's funny. Nothing. You don't laugh anymore. You can't even listen to Fluffy and laugh anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's just nothing's funny. And if you do laugh, it's completely fake just because you're around other people. <laughs> <laughs> and number 10, you're not recharged by sleep and time off. You might, I've, again, I've heard people say, I just, I sleep all day and I still have no energy. That's burnout. You could sleep all day and not have any energy at all. You could, you could have that day off and it's like, well, I might as well go on and get some work done because I'm not, I'm not feeling like enjoying my day off. And we just burn out. If you're going through one or two of these things, guess what? <laughs> Welcome to life. <laughs> okay? This is, this is life. I mean, we have days. We have seasons where some of these things are just, they just, they're part of the natural flow of life. But if, if you're experiencing half or more of these, I would, I would say, man, please talk to somebody. Talk, get, talk to a counselor. Talk to a trusted friend or your pastor to start with, but, but a counselor is where you really will find some, some help and direction in this. Because if you have a half or more of these, you're maybe burned out right now or fastly approaching burnout. So check yourself. Check the signs. Watch the signs for this. But there's really good news. And the really good news is even if you feel like giving up, there's good news. Because God doesn't give up on you. He will never give up on you. God doesn't give up on you, so neither should you. Go back to my story of 2004 when I was burned out. And I had a break, and I got a counselor for, for a few months, and, and I got on track, and I had my healing. That was the main thing that happened was God healed me. And then fast forward 10 years to 2014, and I'm a senior pastor of a church in Arkansas, and I take, along with my youth pastor, we take a group of teenagers uh, to, the, to that same event, International Youth Convention, 10 years later, in the same place, Nashville, Tennessee, in the same building, this big, huge, it's a hotel slash arena slash, I mean, it's got everything that's under one big roof. And I'm, we're there, and I'm like in this place, and I'm like, Every night, somebody else, somebody has, was on the schedule to do devotions. Like we had teenagers to do devotion, a youth pastor. And the first night, I was doing the first devotion of the, of, the, of the night there. And I remember sitting down with this group in this hallway. And I'm like, I want to tell you guys how good God is. Because 10 years ago, I came to the same place, in the same event, same building. And I was burnt out. And when I left, man, I 
kind of stepped away from my job. I didn't step away from God. I stepped closer to God. I stepped closer to my family. And I found the right balance. And I've been walking in this healing for 10 years. And I'm back in the same place. And I'm able to give God praise and thankfulness. Now I'm sitting here in 2019 and realize 2004 is 15 years ago. And for 15 years, I've been walking away from burnout. One, because I was healed completely. But what I, what I understood, the counseling helped me understand was, even if you get healed completely, if you go back to doing the same things you did that got you where you're at, you'll end up where you're at again. That's burnout. That's all kinds of stuff. Even physical healings. You get physical healing from some disease, and that disease is a result of some behavior or some lifestyle, and you go back to that same behavior or lifestyle, you'll probably end up the same place again. I was like, okay, so we set up boundaries. And set up a, a lifestyle. And some days, some days we do good, and some days it's a struggle because it really, it's the default. How's your church doing? And we just really need some more people. That will step back. How's your church doing? <laughs> well, let me tell you about Charlie. Let me tell you about the love that Charlie has for for Jesus and for people. That's how the church is doing. You know, I got to tell about anybody in here. Just pick Charlie because he's sitting right there. You know, but but you know, here we are, 15 years after that, and we got a lot of info out there in the medical field and and. And the psychology field, they're saying, you know, medication is your only hope. And, and if you have burnout and, and depression, that's it. And, and I don't want to discount that. I'll just say that's not, I don't think that's the same for everybody. Because I'm 15 years, I never had medication. Uh, I do, I, every, when I need to, I talk to my counselor. Um, I actually have a coach who asks me every couple of weeks, how you doing relationally? How you doing emotionally? How you doing spiritually? And actually, I, ha- I mean, I've covenanted to tell the absolute truth with my coach. Have somebody in your life you can hold a, that can hold you accountable or that you can have be a counselor to you or a coach or mentor that you can be completely honest with and trust your, your, your heart with because you need that. We all need that. And I can sincerely say 15 years of this being delivered out of that burnout and there's hope and there's joy and there's peace. And I can sincerely say, man, I'm happy with life. I'm happy with where life is right now. So why do so many people seem to never really get out of burnout or depression. How do you get better? Well, here's the, here's the point we said. With God, you can live a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. That's the big idea. It's with God. How can we really get better with God? And the culture doesn't really want us to keep, keep reminding ourselves of that. We say, oh, it has nothing to do with, with spiritual things. It, has everything to do with spiritual things. It's all spiritual. Can't take that component out. Elijah lay down and slept under the broom tree. Now, now, with God is the key, but there's some other things that we could do. Here's where Elijah gives us a couple of clues. He did two things that, if we're being honest, we don't do really well. He slowed down and took a nap. He stopped. And he took a nap. He, he went to sleep under the boom tree. It's almost impossible for some of us to do these. We really need to slow down and get some sleep. There have been times when we have to quicken our pace, absolutely. And you have to, you have to do that. But you can't sustain that fast pace as a lifestyle. You weren't designed to. That's it. We're not designed to do that. If we look at this, how the Bible describes how God designed us, God described us and he designed us in such a way that he actually gave us a gift. And that gift is called Sabbath. Sabbath means ceasing. It means to pause. He gave us this gift because he designed us. He knows how we're designed. He knows that we need that. And sleep. There have been times when I felt like, man, I'm under attack. Oh, the devil's trying to get me. And my counselor would say, 
How you been sleeping? Oh, I'm not sleeping good at all. I'm up all night fighting, fighting the devil. Why don't you get a good night's sleep? Get a good night's night. You know, I mean, sleep seriously. And I get up. Now that's real. I mean, that's that's for real. But then you get a good eight-hour sleep, like a good sleep. Like you wake up and you're like, oh, okay. That was that was a, like that was a good nap. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, you wake up and you're not like you're not tired anymore. You just okay. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Yeah, you get that kind of sleep and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, the devil's real and the battle's real. He ain't got nothing. What was I? What was I so upset about? Because I'm rested now. I actually got that sleep I needed. Elijah was sleeping, and an angel touched him, and he said, here we go again. Get up and eat. Man, that's a good part right there, right? Get up and eat. Get up and eat. And he saw some baked bread on, on the stones there in a jar of water, and he ate, and he drank, and he, and he laid down again. And again, the angel said, get up and eat, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Get up and eat. Or the journey ahead would be too much for you. Sometimes we need, just need to get up and eat. Get up. Get moving. Get a little physical exercise. Put the game, put, you know, for me, it's like put the PlayStation controller down. Get, move the, turn the laptop off. Set the phone aside. And go for a walk. Get up and eat. Now we eat, I obviously eat. But it's what you eat that matters. There's things you can eat that are much better for you than things not that you not to eat. Uh, anyway, sometimes we need to just get up and eat. Take care of yourself physically. It's a part of God's plan. That's what he's saying. Take care of yourself physically. That's a part of God's plan. So with God, we can live today in a way that help you thrive tomorrow. And your next steps are this. Um, just a couple practical things. Number one, talk to someone. Be able to say, someone you have, be able to talk to someone and say, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I mean, have some, you don't just go around telling everybody that. I mean, I wouldn't put that on Facebook. I'm not okay. <laughs> some people are not going to take you seriously. Other people are going to take you way too seriously. <laughs> but have somebody you can talk to, a pastor, a confidant, a best friend, a teacher at school, somebody you work with that you can go, man, I just need somebody. Is this, I can trust this person. I'm, I'm not okay right now. Because there's a couple things that keep pride and fear keep us from doing this. Pride will push you into thinking you can handle anything and fear will keep you from admitting you can't. Don't let pride or fear keep you from getting help. The second step is to develop a circle around you. If you don't know where to start, guess what? This is, this is what, that's part of the DNA of Awakened Church, to be a circle of love, a circle of friendship, a circle of where I love that shirt uh, Kayla was wearing, love wins. That, that's what this is about. Have a circle around you. You need people who believe in you and when, when you stop believing in yourself, that's why I picked up this phrase. I don't know. I picked it up from somebody, but it's like, I'm in your corner and I'm cheering for you. Somebody said that to me, and I, like, I don't know who, but I picked it up. And I'm like, I use it all the time now. I got folks in my life, they'll post something on their, on their social media or whatever, and I'm just like, and I'm in your corner and I'm cheering for you. You, you. you go. You go. I'm in your circle. And the third thing is to go deep. Go deep. Don't keep it all shallow. You, maybe you can just go deep with one or two people, but go deep into your own feelings. Go deep into your own thoughts and deep into your relationship with God because if God wants you to go deep, it's because he wants to take you far. That's what I'm learning. If God wants me to, go, wants to take me deep, it's because he wants to take me far. And I've got to go deep before I can go far. So I want to go deep with God, and I'll go where he leads me.
So let's pray. Lord, God, we just love you. We thank you for this day and, uh, God, for this, uh, for the content you've given us. But, Lord, this story, this, uh, the story of Elijah, um, Lord, that's an inspiration to us. We see this, this man of God. And if we know anything about Elijah from Sunday school or VBS or, or from, from church or from reading on our own, we know that Elijah was the man of God. And here we see Elijah getting to the point of burnout and stress and anxiety that he was just done and tired. And he just said, God, I just want to end it all. But I thank you, God, that you show us in the story that that's not the answer. That the answer is to trust in you and the messengers you've put in our lives. That there are times we need to slow down and we need to rest. And there are times we need to get up and eat. And all this, Lord, we need to trust you. So, Lord, help us to see the signs. Help us to, to be honest with ourselves. And, Lord, I pray that each one of us, Lord, would be, begin to have somebody, at least a person, and then a circle in our lives that we can be real with, that we can be honest with, that we can support each other with and say, you know what, I'm in your corner and I'm cheering for you. Because, Lord, you've already done that too. You're in our corner. You're on our side. You're cheering for us. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you for that. So in this time of reflection, Lord, as we sing and be prepared to be dismissed here in a minute, God, we just pray that you would just do whatever you want to do in our lives to show us, you know, kind of help us to see ourselves the way you see us and how we can grow uh, to be more like you. So Jesus, be the center, be our lives. And we will walk in gratitude to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.